Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Rajesh Vidyasagar. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the officiant today. WES is one community unified across time and space, gathering for these Sunday platforms to affirm our values and commit to a better world. So I want to welcome those of you who are here in the hall, those of you who are watching now on Zoom, and those of you who are going to catch this recording later. If you're on Zoom, please check the chat for welcome and various tips uh, from, uh, sorry, there's somebody who's trying to call me. Uh, uh, Judy uh, is our Zoom usher. Uh, if you're here in the hall and would like an assistive learning device, a listening device, sorry, please ask the soundtrack in the back. I'm on a roll here. <laughs> okay. If you are visiting here in person, please stop by the welcome table after platform and speak with the greeter or our membership coordinator, Macy or Thomas. Those of you who are visiting online now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo at maceot at ethicalsociety.org or fill out a connection, uh, connection form which you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. And I'll read a few of the greetings that folks have written in the Zoom chat. Folks joining in virtually can use this time to get a candle to light during our candle lighting. Uh, let's see now. Laura DeShulio says, good morning and happy pride. Judy, uh, no, Judy's giving some instructions. Uh, Leanne and Brian uh, Holland say, good morning to Wes, everybody in Wes. And that's it so far. I'm sure more will roll in as, uh, as they uh, link in. It's uh, good to connect and share the time together. Opening words. The opening words today are quite long. It's drawn from uh, a poem titled For Pride by Louis Van Leer. They will march, walk, wheel, dance, shimmy and shake, block upon block of undulating color, flesh, banners, signs, clothing or lack thereof, hands raised, hands linked, apart, together, singing, shouting, chanting, silent, joyous, tearful, nervous, afraid, proud, defiant, angry, happy, delirious, tentative, ecstatic, courageous, brave, free. The stereotype, the unrecognizable, the flamboyant, the ordinary, the pa parent, the child, the runaway, the lost, the lonely, the found. Gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, intersex, questioning, allies, those who taunt and jeer their banner of hate 10 feet tall, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, <clears throat> burn in hell, and the other slogans, straight but not narrow, I love my gay child, standing on the side of love. One day a year, one out of 365, Mardi Gras out of season. Festive, bacchanalian, tame, booths, food, shopping. Underneath there is a history, resistance. 
It was the marginalized of the marginalized, drag queens, transvestites, the butch and the femme, who unlike Rosa Parks, did not sit down, but in their tired rage stood up, rose up, fought back, holding the police captive in the bars they had come to raid. Their weapons, their oppression, their hands, beer bottles, Stonewall, six days of riot in New York, June 1969. A year later, a march in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, LA, San Fran, and now, any weekend in June, anywhere around the world, pride. Why do we march? For those who are not able, for those who've been murdered, for those who are ravaged by disease, for those who are still beaten, still taunted, still harassed, still victims, still targets. Why do we march? Because some truths ain't self-evident. Because all men ain't protected equal. And we love a good party. They will march, walk, wheel, dance, shimmy and shake, block upon block of undulating color, flesh, banners, signs, clothing or lack thereof, hands raised, hands linked, apart, together, singing, shouting, chanting, silent, joyful, tearful, nervous, afraid, proud, defiant, angry, happy, delirious, tentative, ecstatic, courageous, brave, and free.
is fantastic. Thank you. Each week we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up uh, at tiny.cc slash readSOP. You can read it here in person or make a recording, which uh, uh, will be included in a future platform. Um, today's reader uh, is Caitlin. Wonderful. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you so much, Caitlin. As uh, Caitlin lights our community candle, I invite those of you with candles at home to light up yours and for everyone to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. And here uh, to read a story titled, Kind of Like Marsha, by S Sarah Prager, illustrated by Cheryl Rass Tuesday, is Wessel's senior leader, Casey Slack. Can we clap for my wife real quick? <laughs> so our story today is less a story and more a quick travel through various LGBT activists you should know about. So kind like Marcia. 
Marsha P. Johnson, 1945 to 1992, United States. You can be kind like Marsha. Marsha P. Johnson was an activist who took care of everyone in her community in New York City. She says, pay it no mind. Harvey Milk, 1930 to 1978, United States. You can be inclusive like Harvey. Harvey Milk brought people together for the cause of equality by talking about respecting everyone, even if they were different. Hope will never be silent. Sappho, 610 to 570 BCE, Greece. You can be expressive like Sappho. Sappho was a woman who wrote love poems about other women more than 2,000 years ago. One day, they'll remember us. X. Gonzalez, born in 1999 in the United States. You can be outspoken like X. X. Gonzalez is an activist who organizes millions of people and speaks out about making schools safer for everyone. It's time to start doing something. Leonardo da Vinci, 1452 to 1519, Italy. You can be creative like Leonardo. Leonardo da Vinci created so many cool inventions. He made a robot, a scuba suit, and even a helicopter. Learning never exhausts the mind. Sylvia Riviera, 1951 to 2002, United States. You can be determined like Sylvia. Sylvia Riviera was an activist who defended her community even when people told her to stop. We have to be visible. Frank Mugisha, born in 1979 in Uganda. You can be brave like Frank. Frank Mugisha fights for equal rights for LGBTQ plus people in Uganda, where it is illegal to be LGBTQ plus. We will not give up until we have the future we all deserve. Audre Lorde, 1939 to 1992, United States. You can be thoughtful like Audre. Audre Lorde wrote about equal rights for women, black people, and gay people. She turned her thoughts about justice into writing that made others change their minds. We are powerful because we have survived. I of Han, 21 to 1 BCE, China. You can be loving like I. Emperor I of Han ruled all of China, but he always made time for the man he loved the most, Dong Zhan. I know your faithfulness. Frida Kahlo, 1907 to 1954, Mexico. You can be artistic like Frida. Frida Kahlo created beautiful paintings that often showed herself, sometimes with cute animals. She was proud of who she was. I am happy to be alive as long as I can paint. Lynn Conway, born in 1938 in the United States. You can be smart like Lynn. 
Lin Kangwei helped make the little computers that are used inside all the electronic devices, like tablets and phones today. It's the learning that's fun. Alberto Santos Dumont, 1873 to, 18, to 1932, in Brazil and France. You can be daring like Alberto. He created some of the first ever airplanes and other flying machines. Even when the airships would crash with him inside, he'd keep trying again and again. Still, I persevered. Alan L. Hart, 1890 to 1962. You can be inventive like Alan. Alan L. Hart helped save thousands of lives as a doctor who pioneered the use of x-ray technology to detect illnesses in patients earlier than ever before. I have been happier since I made this change than I ever have in my life. Josephine Baker, 1906 to 1975, United States and France. You can be resilient like Josephine. Josephine Baker created a successful life for herself, even though no one helped her. She became a world famous and beloved star who was also a spy, an activist, and a mom. The things we truly love stay with us always, locked in our hearts as long as life remains. All of these people are LGBTQ+, which means they have identities as diverse as the rainbow. Resilient, determined, artistic, brave, inventive, poetic, creative, outspoken, smart, loving, inclusive, thoughtful, kind, daring. You can be like them by being you. Thank you. Uh, let's now enter uh, the centering time in our platform. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today I'm reminded of when we moved first to the US in the mid-90s and going to see the AIDS quilt on the National Mall. And feeling at the same time equally joyful and deeply saddened by the loss of life, of, of young lives just torn away. As we listen to the chime, let's remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. Now is the time for meditation. Center yourself, place your feet firmly on the ground, close your eyes if you wish, or soften your gaze. We are here. 
Here we are. Let's start by taking deep breaths. In and out. In and out. Let's focus on a time in our lives when we felt like outsiders, unwelcome. Breathe in, breathe out. Let's reflect on the feeling of otherness, the feeling of not being seen, the feeling of being misunderstood, rejected. Let's breathe in and breathe out. Let's sit for a while with the discomfort of those feelings. Breathe in and breathe out. And in that moment, in that time, let's affirm ourselves as we are, alive with pride. Take deep breaths. It's joyful to be who we are. We continue our meditation in silence and the music that follows.
Today, uh, we are experimenting with a really short reading to balance our long opening words. It's a one-sentence reading, uh, which is from a 1990 manifesto by Queer Nation. And it, it's three words. Um, oh, sorry, it's more than three words. <laughs> An army of lovers cannot lose. And I, when I first read it, I thought, what profound words. An army of lovers cannot lose. Our platform speaker today for today is our senior leader, Casey. I am pretty sure I won't be able to buy my liberation at Target. I am pretty sure no number of trans women representing Bud Light will get me free. I am pretty sure that a Rice Krispie treat with rainbow sprinkles in it that costs 25 cents more than the other Rice Krispie treats is not the path to freedom. But I do love these shoes. <laughs> it is easy for me to be a little cynical about pride, to be a little over it. It's become this very corporate, big, bloated thing. Let me tell you, better in DC than in LA. In LA, to go to the concert that goes with Pride, you have to pay big bucks. Here it's free, so good job, DC. You have actually reduced my cynicism. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but as much as I care about Target's decision to very quickly fold on their Pride merchandise, as much as I am deeply saddened by Dylan Mulvaney, a young trans woman being run off the internet because she did one promo for Bud Light on her own TikTok and the committed loud right wing of this country chased her down. As much as these things pain me or give me reason to be sad, I still don't think that they're the way through. As much as I love these shoes, it's my ability to wear them that is liberation, not my ability to purchase them. I'm not gonna buy my way into liberation, but to quote my wife and one of the mottos of my household, you extract the joy from the capitalism and then you run away. <laughs> this is how we are Disney people. This is how we are people who really like to buy stuff, <laughs> who balance out a politic that is not actually consumerist, a politic that wants large companies broken up and thinks that really liberation comes from community. But sometimes you're sad and you can buy some gay shoes, and hey, that's something too. Because the joy matters. Pride was a riot, but then it was a party. And actually it was a party before it was a riot too. 
It was a riot because our party got interrupted one too many times, right? Because at the Stonewall Inn, the cops would every night come and bang on the wall. And if you were there and you were dancing with someone who you weren't supposed to be dancing with, you would split. And if you were dressed in the wrong clothes, you would split. And that night, they were too hot and too tired. Stormy Delaveray, who is uh, recorded as a butch woman, but definitely used he, him pronouns in life, so. Huh? Stormy Delaveray was a light-skinned black butch in the community, thought of as the mother of all of the queers in that part of New York at the time. And Stormy said, isn't somebody gonna do something? And then they did. And what they did changed the world, though the world was on its way to changing anyway. It's really easy for us to focus on the people from that era who are gone. It's really common, actually, for younger queer people to think that I am a queer elder. <laughs> Friends, I am 35. <laughs> to think I have actually had people look at me, look at Caitlin and I and say, you know, I just love to see older dykes out there. <laughs> because they're taught that we all died, right? Because the story is that there were no gay people, briefly there were gay people, and then they all died, which is not how it went at all. There were always gay people. There were always trans people. And in various eras of history, you can see them more clearly than you could in the 1940s and 50s in the United States. More clearly that you could than you could in most of the 1960s. Sappho is not hiding. That is not one of those texts we have to read the queerness back into. It is right there. She is a woman and she loves women. A lot. Physically. <laughs> it's easy to pretend like there weren't queers organizing before Stonewall. Like the Mattachine Society, for all of my disagreements with them, didn't exist before Stonewall. It's also easier to deal with them as a memory than as people who lived. Especially easier to deal with them as a memory than as people who might still be alive. We talk about Marsha and Sylvia a lot, and they were important. Do not confuse what I am saying. Marsha and Sylvia were on the front lines being pushed out by the more privileged gay people of their era the whole while. But they weren't alone. And not none of their contemporaries remain alive. Miss Major Griffin Gacy was there too. Miss Major is a black trans woman who is now in her 80s. The average life expectancy for a trans woman is 32. She is 80-something. 
this is amazing. And she, if you get to see her, she will just talk to you forever. She's a veteran of the Stonewall Riots, a contemporary of Miss Marcia and Miss Sylvia. She was a survivor of the Dannemora prison and of Bellevue Hospital's infamous queen tank. I don't have to explain to you what that was. She's also the founder of the House of Gigi, which is the Griffin Gacy Educational Family Gathering and Historical Center, which is in Arkansas, where she is from. And it is a house where young trans people can come and live and learn and develop the skills that they're gonna need to stay alive in this society. She speaks up, but she doesn't get put on a pedestal in the way that Marcia and Sylvia do, because she's still here to tell you that you're still messing it up. <laughs> it's hard to turn her into a picture of a queer ancestor, because she's not dead, and she's not quiet. She still talks like a woman from the ghetto who worked as a sex worker for many years, her speech isn't polished, and she swears a lot. She did an interview last fall in an online magazine called Them, which does queer news. And it's a conversation with her and Chase Strangio, who is the Deputy Director for Transgender Justice and the Staff Attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union. There was a piece of their conversation that I really wanted to share with you, but I wanted it here instead of as a reading because I wanted that reading as it was. So the interviewer says, let's start with disinformation. Way to get into the interview, friends. In Arkansas and around the country, we're seeing legislative efforts to restrict trans folks and particularly trans kids' ability to live full lives. What do you view as the best ways to combat the willful ignorance that animates these attacks? And Ms. Major says, to me, what we have to do is be prepared to fight back by any means necessary. That phrasing shouldn't be lost on most of you. By any means necessary is much more Malcolm than Martin in all the ways that they want to make you hate Malcolm for. She says, they are not going to take us at our word. They're going to keep thinking whatever they think about us and that has to stop. And the only way I've seen that done is by fighting them. What would you say, Chase? This I take as Ms. Major being like, I mean fight them with your hands, but I think maybe I should let Chase talk, because he's the lawyer, and maybe he'll say it a little more calmly. Chase says, I'd say we fight their disinformation through the truth of our lives. They say we're new that we haven't existed before, but it's not like the 15-year-old trans person emerged out of thin air. Chase says that he is 40, and then kindly says, Major, you're older than me. <laughs> so right there, our very existence renders these claims counterfactual. They say we're unhappy, that we're unlovable, but we have these beautiful, rich families and communities. All of their premises are false, and our everyday existence is evidence. 
The joy matters. The joy of getting to wear the pride flag shoes and the rainbow mask and to have the pan pride flag hair. The joy of getting to do it loud is the fighting, is the choice to say, you insist that my life is horrible. But it's not. Look at everything beautiful I've made. You insist that nobody could love me, but look at how broadly loved I am. Look at how I love, how engaged I am in community. And truly, I'm not even doing it for you, but look at it, I did it. I got to meet Ms. Major briefly once. I don't remember much of the conversation because I was busy being starstruck. It is deeply difficult to get me starstruck. I actually do not care about fame in that way. But Ms. Major just blew my mind to be in front of. And she and one of my best friends in seminary, a Filipina trans woman who was one of the most brilliant people I have ever met, they were already friends. And so I stood in stunned silence while they had a familial conversation. Contemporary writer and activist Deshaun Harris writes, to be visibly queer is to choose your happiness over your safety. I think that's a lot of what we're all realizing right now, right? That generation of younger queer people who think that I'm an elder, they didn't realize how scary the world was. Not in general, their lives have been plenty terrifying, but they didn't know how quickly the state could decide you were a problem. They didn't know how recently we undid laws that made cross-dressing illegal. How recently it was illegal to buy a dildo in Texas. It was 2003, by the way. Lawrence versus Texas in 2003 made it so that if you own more than five dildos, you are not, and I am not kidding, guilty of possession with intent to distribute. <laughs> I have a friend who was arrested in Texas for possession of a dildo with intent to distribute. Now, what does that have to do with queerness, right? Anybody could use a dildo. Well, this idea about what sex is public and what isn't, right? You'll hear that when stuff about LGBT issues comes up. Well, why don't you just keep it in your bedroom? My sex life isn't public, oh, isn't it? <laughs> Heterosexuals. Because if I go to my family and I say, you know, Caitlin and I want to have a baby, we don't, but hypothetically, Caitlin and I want a baby and you know what, we're practicing. I don't get to say that. Now I did just say it, so that's, but it is super normal for heterosexual couples to say, we're trying to have a baby. And everybody knows what that means and that is their sex life very much in public. But you don't even have to go that far, right? We've all seen gender reveal parties or onesies that say things like boob man. Or 
I was supposed to just be a back rub. So tell me heterosexual sex isn't public. It's public all the time, and if we dare to hold hands and say that we exist, that is thought of as beyond. That is thought of as too deviant. Because it's not about sex, really. It's about who gets to exist in public. It's about reproduction as the most important thing and reproduction as more important than anything because reproduction allows there to be a surplus of workers so that you can exploit them. You gotta pull it real far back. Why would you want this? I'm thinking this pride about all of this as sort of a blur in my head. And I'm also thinking about my own level of fear changing. I was so scared when I realized that I was queer that I spent the next nearly a decade of my life desperately trying to be in a long-term monogamous relationship with a man so that I would not have to think about it anymore. And I was clear. I have journal entries from when I was in college where I write to myself, if I can just find a man to marry, then I never have to tell anyone about this. Then I can just be normal and I don't have to deal with this. It didn't work at all. My attempts to be normal were gonna kill me and so I stopped. I gave up, I did something else because I couldn't live inside that mold anymore, but it still wasn't until I told my parents I was going to seminary that I told them I was queer. One conversation, by the way. <laughs> I'm gonna go to seminary, and by the way, I like girls, okay, bye. <laughs> I was really scared. And then I lived in Berkeley for three years and in LA for six, and I was not really scared anymore. Sure, I remember getting street harassed in Oakland with my ex-girlfriend, but that happens sometimes. People yell at you. Yeah. I knew that I was living a life that I didn't know I could live, but I wasn't afraid of it anymore. Until that one day in 2016, the world changed a little bit. An ex-girlfriend that Caitlin and I share, we did not date this person at the same time, but we did both date her, texted me the day after the election. Just the words, an army of lovers cannot lose. I've held on to that. I held on to that when I went on a date with a girl who lives in Baltimore and we met somewhere in Maryland. And as we kissed goodbye, I felt scared because though I know Maryland is broadly more blue than not, I don't know where I am or how scary it is to be queer there. I thought about it when walking down the street in Vancouver, kind of butched up with my boyfriend. He said, you know, if you keep looking like that and we keep holding hands, you're gonna have to get ready to fight. My boyfriend is rather older than I am, and he was a street punk in Toronto in the 80s. 
he lost a lot of his friends to HIV. He was a street punk because he got kicked out of his parents' house for being queer. I think about it, and I think about a friend of mine in LA who is a Metropolitan Community Churches minister. If you're not familiar with the Metropolitan Community Churches, that is, that is gay Christianity. It was founded in the early 70s by a guy named Troy Perry, and literally it was founded as a church that gay people could go to, and it still exists as that. I met her because I went there one Sunday needing something to do with myself and to be away from the Unitarians. <laughs> and that day, the special music offering was from a group called Bad Bears and the Leathermen for Jesus. <laughs> and I knew that despite my misgivings about Jesus, I could stay there because that, when she was in training to be a minister, she was in Queer Nation the very organization that wrote that manifesto. And even though she was part of gay church, she was in training to be a minister in gay church, she got kicked out of her internship for her participation in the leather subculture. So I'm gonna read you a little bit of the Queer Nation manifesto Queer Nation is kind of a subsidiary of ACT UP. How many of us are familiar with ACT UP? Okay. So ACT UP was a queer liberation organization really focused on the fight against AIDS. You may have seen uh, a picture of a man in a leather jacket and it's got a pink triangle on the back and it says, if I die of AIDS, forget burial, throw me on the steps of the FDA. That man was a chief member of ACT UP. ACT UP interrupted Catholic church services as much as they interrupted government ongoings. They did the radical stuff and then Queer Nation took up the mantle and staged kiss-ins at the National Mall. This one and the, the one that's a mall rather than a mall, right? The one that does capitalism and the one that does monuments. At the New York Gay Pride Day Parade in 1990, Queer Nation passed out this manifesto, and I'm only gonna read some of it, and I will tell you that I have pulled out some of the more confronting paragraphs, because we don't really need to deal with all of that today. It begins, how can I tell you? How can I convince you, brother, sister, sibling, that your life is in danger? that every day you wake up alive, relatively happy, and a functioning human being, you are committing a rebellious act. You, as an alive and functioning queer, are a revolutionary. There is nothing on this planet that validates, protects, or encourages your existence. It is a miracle you are standing here reading these words. You should, by all rights, be dead. An army of lovers cannot lose. Being queer is not about a right to privacy. 
It's about the freedom to be public, to just be who we are. It means every day fighting oppression, homophobia, racism, misogyny, the bigotry of religious hypocrites and our own self-hatred. We have been carefully taught to hate ourselves. And now, of course, it means fighting a virus as well, and all of those homo-haters who are using AIDS to wipe us off the face of the earth. Being queer means leading a different sort of life. It's not about the mainstream, profit margins, patriotism, patriarchy, or being assimilated. It is not about executive directors, privilege, and elitism. It's about being on the margins, defining ourselves. It's about the gender effery and secrets. What's beneath the belt and deep inside the heart, it's about the night. Being queer is grassroots because we know that every one of us, every body, every list of body parts here, is a world of pleasure waiting to be explored. Every one of us is a world of infinite possibility. We are an army because we have to be. We are an army because we are so powerful. We have so much to fight for. We are among the most precious endangered species. And we are an army of lovers because it is we who know what love is. Desire and lust too. We invented them. We come out of the closet, face the rejection of society, face firing squads just to love each other. And you're gonna pardon my language as I read this last bit. Every time we fuck, we win. That's the less confronting part of the, <laughs> of the manifesto. There is this tendency, this thing that makes queerness saleable, to divorce it from the body and from sex, to make it love is love. And though that is true, that is not the point. To make it, we are all the same, though the point is that being different is actually good. To make it something you could buy and put on, rather than something you are, that you are bringing into the world. To make the message, we can sell stuff to you just like everybody else, rather than what if we lived some other kind of way? What if the love that we feel together wasn't in service of all this other stuff, but everything else was in service of the love and joy and pleasure of being together? I think that Unitarian Universalism and ethical culture are pretty queer. Whether or not the people involved are themselves queer identified, the approach is to me a queering of religious life. A turn from this is how you do it to 
What do we come up with when we do it together? A turn from part A goes into part B and then baby to what if I love you and we find different ways of feeling good together? What if I love you and that is not constrained by your gender? What if I love you and that is not constrained by monogamy? What if I love you and I can love you and you and you and you and they're all different and they do not need to be the same? What if we decide to parent together, two people of the same gender in community? What if we decide to parent together five people of varying genders in community? What if we do the things that feel good? Because feeling good matters. Because pleasure is a way to know where you want to go. You still got to think. You still got a logic. You still got to use your brain. But your body knows some things about what works but how good it feels to sing together, how good it feels to dance, how good it feels to put on an outfit that you feel really good in, how good it feels when you look like yourself in the mirror instead of somebody's idea of who you should be. You don't have to be queer to live in a way that opens things up. You yourself don't need to do anything, actually, except for be the you that your soft human parts call you to be. At NYSEC right now, they're doing a weekly uh, kind of podcast called Ethics Unplugged, and this month's theme is pleasure. And I saw someone commenting on it. This isn't ethical culture says she. I am a longtime ethical culturist and pleasure is too self-oriented for ethical culture. Precisely. <laughs> if yourself isn't present, if you and your feelings about being in your body and in the world are not present, if pleasure doesn't matter, then friends, what on earth is the point? Do we not dream of a world where everybody gets to feel good? Can we not dream past not bad and on into good? I focused on joy today in part because I am perhaps overly good at criticism. Right? If you get the kind of training I got, which is focused a lot on literary criticism, and you are the kind of thinker I am, and you live in the kind of generation I live in, you're very good at finding all the things that are wrong. And I'm tired of it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It is not good for me to live there all the time. And so I've been trying to shift my own thinking, queer my thinking a little further, Focus on what feels connective, what feels good, where the vibrancy in life lives, and how we get more of us there. 
An army of lovers cannot lose. And lovers can mean a lot of things. You are not required to think that being lovers requires sexual intimacy. You are not required to think that it means anything beyond what the word is. People who are loving. People who are loving each other. For real. People who are paying attention not only to what feels good for me, but to what feels good for us. So my message to you this Pride, this day of Capital Pride, this month of all of the Pride celebrations, this first outing of my wonderful shoes. <laughs> Let's go where it feels good. Let's be in our bodies and be with each other. Let's think and talk and debate, sure, but let's also remember that when we have cake together, that's like our communion, that's our being together, right? When we sit down to a meal together, that is a pleasurable act that we are doing together and it is changing the world. Little bit by little bit, but doing it. Remember that an army of lovers cannot lose, and that whatever your personal identity is, you are invited to be part of an army of lovers, to be beloved to one another, to know yourself as good, and your body as a location of pleasure and the promise of the future. Be a little queerer. Dance if you wanna. Take some time this month to experience your body and to think about where your habits are maybe pushing you away from connection. We've all got them, it's okay. Pride is a time to remember that you are good and so are other people. Pride is a time to remember that we can party and then fight and then get right back to partying. That the party itself can be a fight. Dearests, an army of lovers cannot lose. Thank you for being with me. Thank you so much, Casey. In a few minutes, we'll have uh, our community sharing time uh, when you can write in the Zoom chat or share in person about what resonated with you uh, in this platform. As always, the invitation is to keep your comments brief so everyone has a chance to speak. While you listen to today's musical response, please think of a personal experience or perspective that you'd like to share.
Today's uh, musical response is joy, the words uh, which are adapted, uh, and music uh, are by Scott Mulverhill, arranged by Perry. I understand that Perry would like to say something to introduce today's musical response. Over to you, Perry. This song talks about bringing joy into the world through music, and we would like to dedicate it to Leah Morris in appreciation for the beauty and the loving spirit and indeed the joy that she has brought to our community in three plus years as our music coordinator. So thank you, Leah. I imagine the song will be new to most of you as it was to us, uh, but you'll hear the refrain four times, and as you're ready, I hope you will join in, in Leah's honor, of course. Thank you. 
as promised, this is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates uh, from our personal experience. I'll start by reading a couple of Zoom comments, and while I'm doing that, folks who want to speak at the mic can come forward and wait. Um, let's see now. Judy O says, thank you, Leah, thank you, Chorus, thank you, Perry. Uh, Laura Desculio says, the people at home would love to see Casey's shoes. <laughs> I'm not sure how we're going to make that happen, but let's do it. that freedom comes from being able to wear the shoes, not from being able to buy them. Uh, buying them and then holding on to them maybe to maybe wear someday is a first step, though. I think that's just a note that repeated itself. Uh, Mark uh, Meyer says, thank you, Casey. I know how much more I need to learn. Ruth says, thank you, Casey and Wessians. More recommended reading about our history recently. Sarah Schulman's My American History and the Lesbian Avenger Handbook. Appreciated your platform so much. Only criticism is we couldn't see your shoes on Zoom. <laughs> of course, now that's been fixed or will be. Cynthia Goodman says, I like Casey separating love from sex. Those on the right only see LGBTQ plus in terms of sex. They totally miss the love, which is so important to life and who we are. Love is so much more than sex, but we are so much more than the people trying to erase us can see. Eric uh, says, pleasure is related to ethical culture. I must include myself in my ethics. If I desire for all beings to be happy, to have pleasure, and I'm a being, then I must desire for myself to be happy. Working towards the elimination of suffering is not sufficient. We want a positive world, not a dead one. To neglect others' pleasure is unethical. To neglect our own pleasure is just as unethical. <laughs> Ruth says Eli also wants to see Casey's shoes. <laughs> Judy says they held them up, but we couldn't see them in the camera. And then Ruth says, thank you. So look out for the, uh, the internet uh, picture. <laughs> OK. OK, now we've got uh, three people lining up. So over to you, Peter. My name is Peter. He is him. Uh, so uh, I was living in uh, Silicon Valley, California, uh, when Harvey Milk, who was a member of the city council, uh, was murdered by another member of the city council. However, uh, this morning when I woke up, um, I was just thinking about one of my greatest heroes in computer science, Alan Turing. Now, Alan was, was omitted from the reading this morning, 
But uh, just like uh, when I was talking about, um, uh, well, never mind that. But uh, what was so amazing about Harvey Milk, uh, about Alan Turing, he was the Einstein of computer science, the most famous and most brilliant early mind in the very, and helped create what we now call computer science. And one of the things he discovered is that computers, more or less as we know them, are capable of performing any information processing device that can be formed by anything that follows rules. And the only problem is, are they fast enough and do they have enough memory? And he also discovered that computers cannot even add integers. But you have to remember, he was a mathematician. So the reason computers can't add integers is because the integers can be too big. So that they can be so big that you don't have enough atoms on Earth to store all of their digits. Okay. Right, well, there, enough. <laughs> wait, wait, one more. Last one. The key thing about uh, Alan is, of course, he was gay. And furthermore, the British government discovered in the early 1950s that he was gay at which point they chemically castrated him, and he then died a couple of years later. Good morning, good afternoon to all. Jeff Nihal here. Now let me get this, let me see if I can understand this case. See, you're 35 years old, and people think of you as old? Christ, I'm a dinosaur. Um, also, the story did affect me this morning because I wanted to hear three other names that were not on there. Uh, the first um, is the uh, uh, note of the famous French violinist Stéphane Grappelli, uh, who was openly gay in, in pre-war France, uh, in, which is, was predominantly Catholic in the same way that, you know, uh, Harlem is predominantly black. Uh, openly gay, didn't really care who knew it. Uh, to listen to any of the recordings of the Quintet of the Hot Club of France is so much fun. And I see Josh nodding, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, the jazz show I listened to on Saturdays, Hot Jazz Saturday Night, had a recording of uh, the Quintet with uh, trumpeter Bill Coleman uh, doing a song that I'm sure older people remember from their childhoods entitled, When the Merry-Go-Round Broke Down. Um, and they'll have their playlist out, I think, tomorrow. So if you want to look it up, be my guest. Um, I actually did meet Stefan Grappelli once, and like your activist, whose name I already have forgotten, thank you, uh, you want to ask so many questions. You know, what was Paris like in the 1930s? And instead of just going, uh, 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 um, he had to leave Paris when the Germans invaded. If they had caught him, he would have been on a one-way journey to Dachau. Uh, second person, also in the musical vein, was Billy Strayhorn, who was uh, a arranger for Duke Ellington and a composer. Uh, not only to be gay in the 1940s, but to be black and gay at the same time. Um, and if you had to, uh, one, one song is, uh, instantly comes to mind as Take the A Train. Finally, I'll be really quick, another person, Graham Chapman of Monty Python's Flying Circus fame. I cannot go into every sketch that he participated in because it just take too long. The one I always remember most is one that ended all right, well, we'll eat her, but if you still feel guilty, we can dig a grave and you can throw up into it.
sort of, I guess. And, um, and, and going back to Casey, um, I, I think I actually do qualify as a queer elder at this point. Um, and, and just by virtue of this story, and I, I've been, like everyone else, we follow what's going on in the country and, and don't say gay in Florida. Um, it's 50 years ago that I was fortunate in a way that I, I recognize somewhat now, but perspective gives us an even uh, deeper understanding. Um, I was in high school and I, my counselor um, knew there was some issue and, and I couldn't bring it out. And she said, well, do you want to talk to a school psychologist? And I was at it, yes, a psychologist has all the answers. That's a doctor. And, um, and I lucked out um, just about being gay. And here I am at junior, this is 1973, um, spring, I guess. And uh, this, here's a psychologist telling me, I saw him like five or six times, and basically said, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong. You're, you're the age, you need to figure this out. Um, now, I do want to say in retrospect that I was, that was it, and in retrospect I think, wait a minute, I need a lot more counseling after that, but, but that was very good at the time. Also, um, you know, I had, I had an 11th grade um, teacher who in my 12th grade I ended up um, talking to the whole year, he was very supportive about my being gay. So I grew up in a very conservative county, and in retrospect, I count myself really fortunate for these small heroes um, that, you know, no one hears about, but, you know, they really, um, they really did something important for me. So I think that we really want to be mindful of people who, whose names are maybe not up there in our history books, but they really came through, and I, I wonder what those teachers would have done if they'd been teaching in Florida today. It's just amazing. I'm Laura, she, hers. Thank you, Casey. Um, I want to say one, two things. One is I so love that we are in a community that embraces everybody. Not all communities do. And Wes has always embraced everyone and everybody's journey as well. And I just love that I'm part of that community. Second thing I wanted to say is we still have a lot of work to do. I have a childhood friend who I was visiting in LA a few years ago. We were having dinner and she was telling us about a friend of hers who is a lesbian. And she was telling the story and then all of a sudden she said, but why did I have to get married? And I went, what? What? And I, I mean, I was literally stuck in my seat for a moment because I was so blown away by this person whom I'd grown up with making a statement like that. And so I went into my thing about, well, we're like everybody else, and why not? And people everywhere deserve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I have sat with that for so many years, and this afternoon, I'm having a conversation with her, which is well overdue. And for any of you that have those kind of conversations hanging out there with a friend or a loved one, it's time. It's time for all of us to do that.
Hi, I'm Karen Perpers, and um, I don't normally choose to speak on behalf of my team because they are fully capable of doing that themselves, um, but I'm going to speak a bit to my adjacency to their living. Um, they've just graduated from high school, and so we've been having a lot of like tra life transition kinds of conversations lately, including um, seeing their applications for college and the essays that they have to write through that process. And uh, one of the things that they wrote is that they have been fortunate to be raised in a community that saw them for who they are and encouraged them to be most fully that self. So I just want to share that with all of you and thank you for that. Um, but I also was having a conversation with them just yesterday and, and they were talking about, you know, they said, I've been raised to be fearless, which I think is both great and also makes me fearful. <laughs> um, not, not in the ways you might think, like they actually have very good judgment and I am fully confident in their ability to go out into the world and make good choices that make sense for them, et cetera. The part that makes me so afraid at times is that the world is not ready for them. <laughs> and the ways in which, because they've had the extraordinary privilege of growing up in communities like Wes, is that they may not be ready for the way the world is gonna be treating them. And I am afraid for that because I'm not sure that I haven't, um, they haven't flexed their fight muscles because they haven't needed to. And um, so if anybody has any advice about that, how to allow them to continue to be loving, it feels a little bit like, like you hear about, you know, black parents having to have the talk with their, they're young people, and I'm feeling like maybe that's a similar kind of conversation to have with my teen. I mean, we've certainly talked about the fact that they live in a bubble, and they appreciate that, but I don't yet think they know what that really means. And so all I guess I can say is, like, please, let's keep fighting to make the bubble bigger. Okay, I just uh, checked there are no more comments on the Zoom, so we can continue on. Uh, thank you to everybody who shared their thoughts and attention to this really super platform. Uh, just as we share our perspectives uh, in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we are sharing uh, the plate with uh, the Rainbow History Project. Uh, the Rainbow History Project, known as RHP, was founded in Washington, D.C. Uh, in November of 2000. Its mission is to collect, preserve, and promote an active knowledge of the history, arts, and culture of metropolitan Washington, D.C.'s diverse LGBTQ plus communities. RHB's various activities include collecting uh, oral histories, providing walking tours, hosting panel presentations, gathering archival materials, recognizing community pioneers, and research assistance. From their website, they say, we invite everyone with an interest in LGBTQ history to use our online and physical collections. Anyone interested in using the collection is considered a researcher, and all people are welcome. We, our users include students, academics, journalists, 
and members of the community. Let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we are able to donate online through the simple gift system, text an amount to 202-335-1885, go to tiny.cc forward slash westgives, or click on give on our website, ethicalsociety.org, to donate in person, just place cash or check in a basket at the back of the hall on your way out. As always, you can send a check in the mail. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music from the chorus, who will sing, "'Tis a gift to be simple," an American shaker tune, lyrics by Joseph Brackett, plus another anonymous person. Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Senior Leader Casey Slack and staff members Ndara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamana Barangi, Maceo Thomas, and Leah Morris. And our platform production team, the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, in-person greeters whose names you'll see in the closing uh, credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour, either here or on Zoom. Okay, some announcements. The potluck and the bake sale was a big success. The hall was full of conversation. The bake sale added over $600 to our Feed the Future campaign, and we avoided going into the spring meeting hungry. The, fee <laughs> the Feed Our Future campaign will remain open until June 30th, 
and everyone who gives will be entered into a raffle in which they could win a dozen of Denise's Golden Spoon winning cookies. So, <laughs> okay, another great announcement. The auction team is getting going. Yeah. So that we're planning, as usual, for a fall auction. They are going to be announcing the theme and the date shortly. Uh, please contact Emily, Emily Newman, to volunteer, join the team, and of course to attend. It's our greatest fundraiser, and it's a whole lot of fun, as we all know. So please do join. Okay, some other more prosaic announcements. The, uh, there is a lifelong learning class titled, What is Capitalism? It's about buying shoes, maybe, uh, <laughs> at 12.30 p.m. in the social hall. The West Philosophy and Biology Reading Group meets on Zoom at 1 o'clock this afternoon. On Monday, the Global Connections Group meets at 7.30 on Zoom. On Tuesday, the immigration team uh, also meeting on Zoom at 7.30. And the Family Support Group meets Thursday at 7 p.m. once again on Zoom. I want to put in a special plug here, I've done it before, but I don't mind doing it again, for volunteers to read the Statement of Purpose. It's a really fun way of joining the platform at relatively low cost. Uh, and reading the statement somehow, every time I've done it, I know that it kind of brings, to read it in front of other people, brings a kind of a sense of affirmation. Uh, and, and so really would invite you please to to volunteer, put your name in. Uh, you can do so by signing up on the West website in the members only section. Um, uh, and uh, I'd invite you please to volunteer. That's it for my announcements today. As always, you can find information about the opportunities to connect uh, in the weekly news and notes, uh, email, and on the calendar page of our website, ethicalsociety.org. Thank you everyone for being part of the platform today, whether in person, on Zoom, or watching later. I now invite you to join in singing our song for the month, Now Let Us Sing.
A few last uh, reminders before we leave. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at Macy, and introduce yourself. Uh, for those who wish to socialize online to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, taking joy and pride in who we are, and celebrating community in which we find more beautiful futures. Again, thank you all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again next week uh, or soon.